0: Pastor Ed Taylor makes this observation. I've learned the hard way that the consequences from obedience, as painful as they are, are far less painful than the consequences of disobedience. And so when I'm given that choice of whether to make the hard decision and do the hard thing and anticipating all the pain that's gonna bring in my life, I have to consider, well, what kind of pain is gonna come from my life through disobedience? Because I'll tell you what, I would much rather have the consequences of obedience any day of the week than the consequences of disobedience even if they're hidden and delayed in coming
1: this is grace. this is unfailing. It's time for Abounding Grace, the daily radio outreach of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. As you take a close inventory of your life, would you say that you're under sin's control? Maybe it feels like you just can't break free from it, but you really want to. Is there any hope? Romans 6 points the way to freedom from sin by coming into the service of the Lord. Only there is true freedom found. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with more from Romans 6. Grace serves with a newness of spirit.
0: It's from the inside out. God, he pulls you out of the pit, out of the miry clay. He sets you on a solid rock. He puts a new song in your heart. And there you and I stand in the same place, amazed at what God has done we would have so destroyed our lives. We could have so ruined everything. We could have been absolutely destroyed. The Bible talks about if God would recount all of our sins to us and he would number them and name them one by one by one by one, it would overwhelm and crush us. But the Bible says that God has taken our sins and as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. He says he won't hold them against us. And if he were to one day decide to lay that big, heavy burden on us by reminding us of all our mistakes that we've made, big ones and little ones, reminding us of all the sins that we've committed, even the ones that we've committed self-righteously because, you know, we're upright, right? We're Christians and we don't commit those kind of sins. But in reality, in our heart of hearts, Jesus said, those things are in your life as well, even though they may not come outwardly. I know your heart. If he was to lay that whole burden on us, none of us could stand. We'd all be crushed under its weight but instead Jesus said, I've forgiven you. Those of you that are weary and heavy laden, come unto me, Jesus says, and I'll give you rest. I mean, if you don't stand amazed at that, there's really not much more to share. It's an amazing thing that God would do that for us. We were so messed up. Even you good godly guys and girls that grew up in a godly home, you have so many things that God has revealed over the years of how his grace has covered you. And he loves you just the same. What motivates us now is not lists and rules and regulations. What motivates us is love. That's the strength in any friendship. That's the strength in any marriage. Unconditional love. If there was a condition meter in our houses, we would be surprised by how many conditions we place on one another in order to love. How many things we require to be changed. How many attitudes we hold to that we simply won't unconditionally love those that God has put into our hearts and into our lives. I know I'm speaking to some of you right now. You have made condition after condition after condition, and it's time to stop and repent. Because you have to consider that God hasn't placed those conditions on you. He loves you as you are. And he loves you so much as you are that he's changing you and molding you and shaping you. And he's for you and not against you even as we read in the psalm this morning how he's our shield and our shade how he's our preserver flip over to second corinthians chapter 5 would you in second corinthians chapter 5 paul he lays out these wonderful changes that went that took place in his life because remember he was a pharisee a rabbi he was a man of the law he outwardly kept the law to the best of his ability he even came to the place where he thought he kept it better than anyone else He became a self-righteous Pharisee, a self-righteous teacher. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse 9. From Paul's heart to our heart, we're no longer under the law. We're under grace. And therefore, the strength of the law in arousing sin is gone. And now we, we come and we live for Jesus Christ. It's powerful. It's the same way our homes should be run. It's the same way our friendship should be. And Paul says in verse 9, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to what? Be well-pleasing to who? Him. That we stand or fall before Jesus Christ. That even though you might have this outward appearance for everyone and, and you've got the smile and you've got the words and somebody asks you, you somebody, how you doing? And, and you'll lie to him, You say, I'm doing just fine. And you're not doing just fine. You're doing horribly. And you're just laying another mask. And another mask, and another mask, and Paul says, "No, no. I, it's my aim to please him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing." And again, if you like a, some homework this week, take your concordance out and look up the word "know," k n o w k n o w i n g. Look up that word throughout the New Testament and understand and learn from God personally as the Holy Spirit teaches you what he wants us to know. There are things that we know, notice, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. That's a healthy fear of God. Too many things are happening in our lives because we just don't fear God. The consequence doesn't come immediately and we think, well, no way, I, I got away with it. You haven't gotten away with it. It's only a matter of time before it catches up to you and utterly destroys you. Utterly destroys me if I choose to live that way knowing the terror of the Lord, that we persuade men. But we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. Verse 12, for we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to glory on our behalf, that you may have something to answer those who glory in appearance, but not in heart. That's a sad place to be. Glory in appearance. We can be so good at appearances, and our hearts are not right with the Lord. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. And if we are sound-minded, it is for you. And then verse 14 is the key. For the love of Christ constrains us. That word constrain can also mean compel or motivate. The love of Jesus Christ motivates us. I'm not trying to please man. I'm not trying to be seen by man. I'm not trying to make a name for myself. I just want to serve Jesus Christ. I want to be well-pleasing in his sight. I desire for all that he has done for me I wanna give him all that I have and every ounce of my energy. Jesus loves us in an incredible way, perfectly and unconditionally. And he loves us knowing everything about us. Back in Romans chapter six, it's such an incredible thing to know that God is for us. He loves us. We're free from sin. We're not slaves of sin. We can present ourselves as weapons of war in the spiritual realm for God. We have that choice. We don't have to let sin reign in our bodies. And then he says in verse 15 of Romans chapter 6, what then? And remember, Paul's a rabbi. He's writing out Romans. Remember, there is a lot of anticipation as he writes. He's anticipating thoughts that would come up in the listener's ears, in those that are receiving this letter, for those both then and now. And he anticipates with these questions. And he asks, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? And the answer was, certainly not. It says, okay, so you've been delivered from the law and now you live in this grace relationship. So does that give you permission to sin? The answer is no. By the way, if we go back to verse 15 and we just say this, what then, shall we sin? And we stop it right there. It doesn't matter what comes after it. Do you know the answer is the same every single time? Shall we sin? No. But you don't understand what they did to me. Doesn't give you permission to sin. You don't understand what I'm going through. God doesn't give you permission to sin, but he does give you permission to trust. And he does give you permission to cling. And he does give you permission to hold and to rest in his finished work in your life. He does call you to a deeper relationship with him in tough times. He does call you to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares you. He does encourage you to run to him with all of your cares. Remember what Peter said? Casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. What shall we say then? Shall we sin? No. Shall we cheat? No. Shall we fudge on the numbers as April's coming up with IRS? Hey, you know, hey, that's how Christians are. We're so good at justifying things. We're so good at making excuses. Well, you know, if an auditor sees it, I probably will get in trouble. But since I'm not going to be audited, I might as well go ahead and change this number here. No. No, 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 no. Well, I can get away with it at work because I don't have to punch a clock. So I can be late. They'll never know I'm late. I can leave early. They'll never know I'm early. I can come back late from lunch. I can take a five-hour lunch. Nobody ever needs to know. God knows. And you'll be surprised how many other people know and how many other people see it and how tarnished the name of Jesus Christ can be through our lives of compromise. Shall we sin? No, certainly not. In any respect. I've learned over the years, I've learned the hard way I've learned the hard way that the consequences from obedience, as painful as they are, are far less painful than the consequences of disobedience. And so when I'm given that choice of whether to make the hard decision and do the hard thing and anticipating all the pain that's going to bring in my life, I have to consider, well, what kind of pain is going to come from my life through disobedience? Because I'll tell you what, I would much rather have the consequences of obedience any day of the week than the consequences of disobedience, even if they're hidden and delayed in coming. So he says, verse 15, should we sin because we're not under the law but under the grace? Certainly not. Verse 16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness? So you and I can present ourselves to either sin or obedience. But verse 17, thanks be to God that through though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart. Mark that, obeyed from the heart. We'll get to that in just a moment. Thanks be to God that you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered and having been set free from sin. Notice Paul talks about it in the past tense. You've been set free from sin. You became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh and we say amen to that. Thank you, I have a weak flesh. Speak to me as a human, Paul. For just as you presented your members as slaves to uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Before you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, do you know that you were a slave to sin and darkness? You were a slave, so was I. I know we may try to think back and say, oh no, I was, I never a slave to sin and darkness, but you were. In Ephesians chapter two, it talks about us being dead, that God has made us alive. And and so every time we come back in a sinful place, every time we present ourselves to sin, we raise up a little bit more death in our lives, a little bit more junk. We were slaves. The world and the devil were cruel masters. Now I know in in our culture today, I know even in in some of your lives, you might immediately say, I'm not a slave to sin. I'm a believer. I'm not a slave to sin. I've never been a slave to anyone or anything. It's much like, if you would turn with me to John chapter 8, the religious Pharisees, the self-righteous people of the day said the same thing. Look at John's gospel with me, chapter 8. Our culture has so taught us to make excuses and to reason our way out and, and to justify our behaviors, but Jesus doesn't give us any room for that. He very much speaks to us the truth in love. I'm so thankful that he does that. I'm so thankful he doesn't just let me go and says, Well, there's Ed again, justifying all his behavior. I'm just going to let him go. But he passionately pursues us. Look at eight, chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Make you free, set you free. That's what the truth does set you free. And you go, wait a minute, I've I've never been in bondage to anything. I don't need to be free. I don't need God's truth to make me free. Well, notice what they said. They said, in verse 33, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. Do you know that's a statement with selective memory? I mean, really, think about it. We're Abraham's descendants. We've always been free. Really? What about Egypt? Egypt? Egypt. That's right. Okay. We were only a little bit, you know, it's just so crazy. And then they get past Egypt and what? Don't you remember Babylon? Don't you remember Assyria? I mean, what do you mean you'd never been in bondage to anyone? At the time that they're speaking, who are they in bondage to? Rome. Listen, listen to this. When you are caught up in a place where you're self-deceived, you're going to have a selective memory. And you need to have people in your life that will help you remember the truth. (laughs) You need to have people in your life that say, yeah, Ed, I know you remember it that way, but let me tell you the way it really happened. And I go, I don't want to know the way it really happened. I kind of like my selective memory. But selective memories can get us in trouble. And here they are not even speaking the truth to Jesus. We've never been in bondage. Oh, yes, you have. You're in bondage right now. And they say in verse At the end of verse 33, how can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Did you hear that? The very moment you take and step into sin, you have become a slave to sin. And that's why it feels like it's overwhelming. And that's why it feels like you'll never get out from under it. And that's why it seems so heavy and so hard. And that's why it plagues you. And that's why it dogs you. Because the moment you make a decision to sin, you become a slave to sin. Or you can become a slave to righteousness because it says in verse 35, a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. (laughs) That is great. That's the freedom. Now back in Romans as we close this morning in Romans 6, that is the freedom that Paul is talking about. You are free. I am free indeed. That's why I love the nights that we devote midweek for testimonies. Because when I hear the testimonies of people and they, they come up and they'll share, this is where I was, this is what I was doing, this is what I was a slave to, this was what was destroying my life, but then they get to the place and we don't let them share a lot of the details. We just need to know enough to show us a little bit of the darkness. We don't want to hear a lot of the details, but we do want to hear how Jesus Christ changed all of it. And testimonies, you know what they do? They soften my heart. They give me a heart of compassion. And now I understand what's wrong with my boss. I understand now. I need to have compassion. That person's a slave to sin. Now I understand what's going on to the people right next to me, the cubicle right next to me. They're a slave to sin. Now I understand why my neighbor keeps doing that in my neighborhood, and they don't help, and they don't understand, and they don't take any of my invitations, and they don't want any of our gifts. I would try to love them, we try to take care of them, we try to reach out to them, but now I understand. Now they're a slave to sin. They're a slave to sin, and testimonies give us that compassion. It brings us to the final word now, as Paul closes up Romans six, and so do we. We know, we reckon, we present. And then finally, we obey. Remember I asked you to mark obeying from the heart? Do you know there's a big difference between obedience from the heart and compliance? Jonah was one that we can look at. Jonah was called to preach the gospel to those in Nineveh, but he hated the Ninevites. He was a very prejudiced man. He was prejudiced because of their upbringing. He was prejudiced because of their nationality. He was prejudiced because they weren't a part of God's family. He was a man that was messed up, but God was going to use him anyway. Go preach the gospel because they're going to get saved. And Jonah said, I don't want to preach the gospel to them because I don't like them. And then God introduced him to a fish. We don't know the name. It could be maybe Charlie the tuna. We don't know. It could be something big. So Charlie, will he call him Charlie. If you're Charlie here today, I'm sorry, but I didn't make Charlie the tuna. I just saw the commercials like you did. So this fish comes and he swallows Jonah. And Jonah's in the belly of that fish with all the juices and all the junk and how hot it must have been in there. And and he comes to the place, okay, God, I'll go to Nineveh. It's like, okay, and vomits him up out and he goes to Nineveh. The people get saved. But see, Jonah changed his mind, not from the heart, but because of outward pressure. I, mean, I think I would too. Anything to get out of this thing, I'm a, all right, got myself in a mess. I mean, I can understand. But he didn't have a heart change. We know that because at the end of the story, there he is, the whole city gets saved. Anybody should be rejoicing over, it. oh, the whole city got saved, how exciting. But there he's upset because they got saved, and God sends him a little message and says, hey, didn't I show you love and compassion? Why are you so upset? Because I showed them love and compassion, and... And Jonah's busted just as we are so many times. It's like little Johnny had gotten busted from his mom and the punishment for the day was sitting in timeout. And so mom says, Johnny, you need to sit in timeout. And Johnny stood there and said, I'm not sitting down. you got to sit down. I'm not sitting down to the point where she finally walked over, grabbed little Johnny by the shoulders, picked him up, sat him down. But on his face, there was still something about him that she needed to know. I know he's sitting in timeout now, but she needs to know what's going on, Johnny. So she asked little Johnny, hey, You know, don't don't you understand, son? What 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 is it about your face? What what is it about you? Why don't you listen? Why don't you? And finally, Johnny says, "Listen, mom, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. And I'll tell you what—that's our hearts. I'll do it outwardly, but in the heart, don't touch my heart. I'll do what you tell me to do. And there's a difference between obedience from the heart and compliance." We always want to shoot for obedience. Look at back in Romans 6 now. He says, verse 20, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. And now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. You notice that's used twice. It's used at the end of verse 22, and it's also used at the end of verse 19. Verse 19. There, there is a question that comes up to me as a pastor all the time, and that, that is, Ed, what can I do to be a better husband? What, what can I do to be a better wife? How can I be a better parent? And, and you know, there's a lot of great books out there. There's a lot of great CDs. We've got classes and seminars, and they're all important. They're all valuable. You should follow through and growing in God's grace by learning new skills. But listen, if you're looking for an area that will immediately improve you in your relationships, shoot for more holiness. You can't have too much holiness in your life. And I know you get made fun of. You know, you got people where, oh, you're holier than thou. I'm not trying to be holier than thou. I just love Jesus. Oh, yeah, there you are. You're a holy roller now. That's what you are. Holy. They probably roll around and hang in the chandeliers in that church. And, oh, you're Mr. Holy now. You're and you're like, no, 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 I'm not holy. I'm not holy. You, you know, what are you going to do about your own stinking rotten sin that my holiness is revealing in your life? Think about that. Why don't you tell someone the truth? So you're uncomfortable with my life with Jesus Christ? Why are you uncomfortable? Could it be that your life's not right with God? You could turn every scenario around, you realize that, into an opportunity to share the gospel. You can bring every person right to the foot of the cross at the right timing. If you always show them, maybe your holiness is such a conviction in their life that you're not trying to be more holy, you're not trying to lord over people, You just want to live for Jesus Christ because you love him and you're so appreciative of what he's done in your life. You see, the two contrasts here at the end is there's the wages, verse 13, of sin, and there's the gift of God. Sin does pay a wage. It's death every single time. Sin pays a wage. It's death. Death to ministry, death to relationships, death to a job. The wage of sin is always death in every scenario. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That God, he will do a wonderful work in Jesus Christ. That the years that the locusts have eaten, the years that have been wasted and thrown away, God can restore those and more so. Because it's a gift. You know, with sin, you're earning, you're earning, you're earning. And what are the wages but death? But with Jesus, it's just a gift. There's no work involved. You just take it. I receive that gift. I I receive your love, God. I receive your salvation. And in Jesus Christ, sin no longer has dominion over you. You are not under the law any longer. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. You're no longer a slave to sin. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. And now you have your fruit unto holiness.
1: Thanks for listening to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor has just encouraged us to make Jesus our Lord and experience the victorious Christian life. There is no better Lord, and there's no better life. It's part of our series in Romans. Simply go online to hear it again at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're at AboundingGraceRadio.com. More and more people these days are accessing our teachings through our app, Not only is it super convenient, but it's easy, too. You can download that right now. Search for Calvary Aurora and start listening to Pastor Ed through your mobile devices. Maybe you've used the voice memo app on your phone for various reasons. Well, we'd like to encourage you to use it to send Pastor Ed a question. Or you might even share a testimony of how God is using abounding grace in your life. We might use it on a future radio program, so we ask that you please keep it relatively short. Just record your question or testimony, and then email it to us at ed at That's ed at Well, as you know, Valentine's Day falls within the month of February, and with that in mind, we thought we'd recommend a book that can be of some help to our single listeners in particular. It's called A Love Letter Life, and written by Jeremy and Audrey Roloff. They write, if you can fall into love, you can fall out. True love is something you choose to live out each day through your actions, decisions, and sacrifices. That's just a taste of what you'll receive in a love letter life. Learn how to date intentionally, pursue creatively, and love faithfully. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Reach us toll free at eight seven seven three zero grace Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Thank you for your generous support. It is one huge avenue of God's supply and helps us cover some of the costs of being on the radio. You can make a secure donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We'll return to Romans next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace.